This is a marketing communication. Please refer to the key information document or KID before making any final investment decisions. Investing involves risk. The value of an investment and the income from it may fall as well as rise and investors might not get back the full amount invested. Past performance does not predict future returns. The mention of any particular security or strategy should not be considered as a recommendation. For further information on the Brunner Trust, please go to www.brunner.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the 10th and latest installment of Connected Investor, the podcast from the Brunner Investment Trust. I'm Joe Lynham, the BBC presenter and News Talk Business Editor. And in this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive on energy amid soaring retail and wholesale prices and huge geopolitical risk, which has emerged thanks to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and how these big changes may affect you, the markets, and of course, the Brunner Fund. As ever, I'm joined by Matthew Tillett, the lead portfolio manager with the Brunner Investment Trust. Hello, Matthew. Hi, Joe. Can we start... uh, with the current state of play, kind of a helicopter view when it comes to global and local energy prices and how they've behaved since the invasion of Ukraine uh, on the 24th of February. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think really the starting point here is just to recognise the situation before the, uh, the, the war started, um, which is that we had pretty tight markets, um, energy markets in particular. Um, that was evident through uh, most of last year, particularly the second half of last year, when we saw um, oil prices going up, but particularly gas prices uh, going up um, in Europe and, and, and the and the UK and, and other areas as well. Um, and that's really driven by uh, tightness in supply um, yeah, and also some sort of peculiar situation going on with renewables where there was just you know a lack of lack of um you know wind power in, in the north sea so we had quite quite a quite a tight position anyway and then obviously the conflict um has happened uh russia is a big supplier uh of many commodities uh it's the biggest supplier of of oil um about 10 percent of global supply uh, and also gas as well and and gas is more of a local uh, local market because it's much harder to transport gas around the world so you get kind of different prices in different markets but it's the elephant when it comes to gas in europe in europe yeah yeah not so much globally but particularly in europe because it's because it has those pipelines that that um supply into europe and and, and, and within europe it's particular countries within europe so it's you know germany italy some of the um, eastern european countries mm-hmm. are not really france yeah uk you know a little bit but not 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 too much so it's actually quite it's quite variable and that and, and as as we've seen that's created a bit of difficulty with you know european sort of policy and political economy because there are different interests across the block um and in coal as well it's a, also quite a big supply of coal and coal is still quite important in the energy mix uh in in some countries uh, around the world um so you have these uh you know sanctions um various levels of sanctions from diff- different countries have put different um you know the us has been been uh you know slightly more um firm on the sanctions that it's put put on russian um, energy exports you know europe has you know gone some way towards it but not 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 the not the whole hog um but but you can clearly see why that's made the situation worse uh because it was already a tight market now now you've got the prospect of one of the biggest suppliers you know if, if not coming out of the market entirely you know being somewhat disrupted um, and then obviously war itself, you know, is, is, is always disruptive, you know, for these sorts of things, because it just, you know, just the physical infrastructure, you know, there are pipelines that go, go through Ukraine. Um, you know, that sort of thing is, is always is always going to accentuate uh, these sorts of problems. So you have um, Brent 
and West Texas intermediary comfortably above $100 a barrel uh, and possibly going to stay there for weeks, if not months. Uh, and that is going to make the, the inflation situation mer- uh, much more pronounced. We'll come to that in due course. Uh, what this war appears to have done in energy terms, Matthew, is focus the minds uh, of quite a few countries, especially in Europe. You mentioned Germany briefly. You mentioned Italy briefly. Um, Germany, for example, says it's going to build its own nat- uh, liquefied nat- natural gas terminal. Uh, the UK is talking about uh, building half a dozen or more nuclear power stations in short order. The Italians are talking to the North Africans about getting gas from there. There's a huge process underway, isn't there? Energy security. Yeah, energy security has just gone you know, massively up the agenda in terms of the, the political uh, political agenda, you know, the political economy of, of um, the whole of the West, but particularly Europe. Uh, and there's clearly a realisation that you know, you know, some countries, you know, particularly Germany is the big example, have, have just you know, dropped the ball, really. They were too... Um, you know, you call it what you want. You could call it naive. Um, you could call it, you know, maybe maybe they just, you know, they 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 just got it wrong. Um, the Germans call it Ostpolitik. Yeah, <laughs> um, but but it, it's looking as if they're doing a, a volt fast. A, a Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, they turned off their own nuclear power stations uh, after um, Fukushima, Fukushima, whenever in, in 2011, uh, which yeah has not helped the situation either because they had to compensate that with you know uh, more gas and more coal much of which is you know coming from russia uh, so it's, it's going to be very difficult for germany to 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 um it's going to, going to take time basically there's not something you, you 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 know it's you can't really replace 40 to 50 percent of your um you know gas imports overnight uh but you can do it over time so in terms of investment matthew what does this mean because Large companies are going to have to look at where they put their money, while large investors are going to have to look at where they put their money uh, and where that money should go, uh, you know, as part of the energy transition. Yeah, so I think from from the point of view of the energy sector, what this uh, the, what the war has done is accelerate some of the changes that were happening anyway. Um, so the big, big ones, obviously, the energy transition. You know, we that that was very much in play before the conflict um you know europe was the leader uh in 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 the move away from 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 fossil fuels uh, but other countries also you know were were following um i think this is c- clearly you know made it made that more of a priority because renewables are you know that it's it's in tune with the with the energy security agenda because renewables are you know they're you know they're they're, they're you know within your own borders that you have control over them they I mean, there is intermittency with wind and solar, but you know, at least you you know you have you have some you have some control over the assets. Uh, so, you know, that's um, going to happen faster than it would have happened before. Uh, but it still takes time because it's still ultimately it's a capital intensive uh, uh, investment project that requires you know huge amounts of well, huge amounts of money and huge huge amounts of capital expenditure to you know, to, to build out this infrastructure. Uh, but it, it clearly is going to happen and it's going to happen a bit faster than um, than it did before. Are companies in the hydrocarbon space, are they going to benefit in the short term but lose in the long term? Or how do you see this playing out in terms of investment strategies? Yeah, it's a good, good question. And then there are, there are some quite different strategies across that group of companies. Um, I mean, uh, uh, some of them are, have, uh, particularly the European ones, have 
already positioned themselves uh, in a significant way with uh, towards renewables. Um, so if you look at the strategy of, say, BP, for example, you know they've laid out actually quite clearly how much of their capital budget is going to go on to uh, renewables uh, and and alternative energy, and it's it's a significant chunk of it uh, over the next ten years. And so that that and, and they were going to do that regardless of 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 the the, the you know they were do, well, they were doing it before the war, and they're still still continuing to do it now. Um, so they you know they they will they will benefit from that if the investments that they make are successful investments. Um, but clearly it's, you know, they're going into new areas. You know, it's, there are, they're competing with new um, or different companies that are also, you know, also building out renewable assets. Um, it is quite a competitive space. Then um, the prices are, you know, are the prices for the assets have, have, have gone up quite a bit in the last um, couple of years. So from an investment perspective, that's one of the big questions is, you know, what are the returns that, 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 you know these, you know those the fossil fuel companies, but also the you know the, the renewable energy companies as well, the utility companies. What are the returns that they're going to make from these assets, and are they going to be high enough from an investor's perspective to you know to to deliver an attractive investment return over, over the long term? Um, that's one of, one of the big questions. I think for for the you know, companies that are more focused on fossil fuels themselves, um, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a funny one because. You know, one of the one of the uh, effects of the energy transition and the and the political drive to to, to facilitate the energy transition was actually a, a, a reduction in investment in in fossil fuels, um, and so companies that despite the fact that 83 80 well i think it was 83 percent last time we had the data of of um, global energy consumption was still from fossil fuels um, so and that's one of the reasons we have this kind of supply problem and so in the short term. You know those companies are actually kind of benefiting from the situation because their supply is tight and and, and, and prices are high. Uh, but if that transition happens faster than than expected, then you could see you know you could see demand, particularly for things like coal and oil, fall perhaps a bit faster than people expected. Gas, I think, is is you know the demand profile looks much more um, and much more underpinned um, because it's it's a it's a it's a key transition fuel. It's a replacement for coal, and it's been given the blessing, strangely, by the European Commission uh, as part of that transition. Yeah, to under certain conditions. Yeah, it's it, yeah yeah. It, there's quite quite onerous conditions that have to be met in terms of in terms of the sort of efficiency of the production. But yes, that the, you're right, uh, which is quite an interesting development, um, and also nuclear as well. Yeah, I was surprised. I suppose there's a certain amount of political pressure in that, that the Germans wanted gas as part of the transition and the the French insisted on yeah. nuclear as part of their transition. Yeah. Um, what about the transition from investing in growth stocks to value stocks? That's still underway, I presume. And how does that work out now in with the backdrop of a geopolitical crisis? Yeah, so the the rotation um, in the market from, from growth stocks to value stocks was underway you know, but well before the conflict broke out and that was actually driven by you know rather different factors it was the you know effectively the 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 um the monetary policy situation uh, and and the uh, the the realization that interest rates going to rise in the US um which for reasons we you know we've just we've discussed previously i mean that that's led to a reversal of um a lot of the activity that we saw last year in the markets um with you know the valuations of growth stocks coming down and um and and value stocks doing better now the energy companies and the, and the whole resources space um, is 
you know, very much in that kind of value value group of stocks. They, you know, there wasn't a particularly popular area. Valuations were low and and still are quite low, even even after you know relatively strong performance recently. Um, so for for that for that group of stocks, it's kind of accelerated the um, you know that that shift from growth to value. However, in other areas, it's the opposite has happened. Um, so if you look at things like consumer you know, consumer cyclicals where there's a lot of lot of value stocks in that that area of the market. You know, they they've dropped um, dropped back um, and performed quite poorly since the war started. Um, and that's because of the the implications for the economic outlook um, and the fact that you know you've got this pre- these pressures on input costs, uh, inflationary pressures. Supply chain pressures, uh, yeah, which yeah. which were existing. I mean, uh, yeah, that was an issue before the conflict broke out, but the conflict's made that a lot worse, uh, and it's now looking like that's going to it's going to take much longer to resolve uh, the inflation issues in in the economy, and therefore you're going to get this squeeze on on consumer disposable incomes. Well, that the brings- market's looking forward on that, and therefore you know discounting the, the the valuations of of some of the consumer consumer discretionary consumer cyclical companies it sounds to me like the consumer will be the big loser from this particular energy crisis we're in uh yes i I, well certainly in the short term yeah i mean it's you know we can all see what's happening to our own energy bills uh and you know that's going to be quite a big squeeze uh for disposable incomes i think and i think it's going to be felt more in europe than in the us um because um because just because the gas prices are are higher again going back to that point around gas prices being quite much more of a local market you know gas prices in europe are so much higher than the us that it means that the impact on consumers bills um are, are much higher um, however on the other hand we have to remember that the consumer was in a in a relatively good place before this before this happened only three or four months ago yeah yeah because of because of the again because of the peculiarity of what happened during the pandemic and all the transfers from the government to the to the uh the, the consumer sector you know, generally balance sheets were in quite good shape Consumers also hadn't been spending money on holidays and, and things like that because of because of the lockdowns. So it wasn't like a normal uh, the pandemic downturn wasn't like a normal downturn where the consumers in you know has to repair its balance sheet. You know, that was how it was after the financial crisis. You had two or three years where the consumer was really quite depressed um, because they because you know unemployment was quite high. We're not really in that situation today. Um, so what we're seeing at the moment is that companies you know, are putting up prices to offset inflation. And it's not really hitting demand um, not just, yet. just yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, and you could argue maybe Netflix, you know, that, you know, we, we saw, you know, recently, you know, had a, had a, you know, big, big fall. And that was arguably partly due to, you know, you know, because they put their prices up, you know, perhaps, perhaps that's an example of one. But, but also competition. Yeah, competition as well. Um, but, but I, I, I think, you know, if this goes on for, the, the long, obviously the longer it goes on, the harder it will become. Certainly, if we get into the second half of this year and next year, and we're, and we're still seeing, you know, these these high rates of inflation certainly running ahead of um, real growth in real wages, um, so negative real wage growth, uh, then you'll start to see the risk of recession. Well, that's that's the ad. I mean, that that's a, that's the where the recession would come from. Like it would be a consumer-driven recession, driven by the the consumer needing to retrench. Um, you know, basically because because of cost pressures uh but i don't think i don't think we're there i'm not i'm not as negative on it as some commentators are. i like mainly for the, that point about the consumer being in a better place um to begin with uh but i do recognize that you know you can't we, we can't have this situation for much more than 
six months or so, then it will start to affect the consumer. And, and, and ultimately, you know, yes, it will lead to a recession. But I think it's too early to conclude yet whether that's, that's where we're definitely heading. We could talk about this for uh, hours, I'm sure, but we have to wind it up. Thank you so much, Matthew. Matthew Tillett, the lead portfolio manager for the Brunner Investment Trust. Uh, and thank you for listening to this episode of Connected Investor. Make sure that you're subscribed to The Connected Investor wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't have to go hunting for it next time. And thank you all for listening. We value your views and we're keen to know what you think. So do get in touch. You can contact us via the website www.brunner.co.uk. From Matthew and from me, Joe Lynham, thank you. Thank you.